welcome and thanks for listening to another episode of Zero Cafe. In this episode, I talk with Morgan Legg. She's Director of Operations and Certified Partner Outreach at our longtime sponsor, Convert.com. Today is not necessarily about Zero specifically, but rather about how to work together within your company. Morgan is going to tell us about the decentralized management model called Holacracy, which I personally find fascinating. And we end our session talking about how this also led to convert applying something that's called conscious business by, for example, eliminating bias in hiring and becoming carbon positive. My name is Gideonse and welcome to Zero Cafe, the podcast where I show you the behind the scenes of optimization teams and talk with their specialists about data and human driven optimization and implementing a culture of experimentation and validation. In case you missed it, in the previous episode I spoke on a related topic, Centralized versus Decentralized Zero, with Andrea Corvi from iTech Media. You can listen to that episode on the Zero Cafe website or in the podcast app you're listening with right now. This episode of Zero Cafe is made possible by our partners Content Square, Comfort.com, Online Dialogue, Sidespect, and our new sponsor, the Online Influence Institute. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 22. So Morgan, thanks for joining us. And before we dive into today's topic, we of course like to know how you ended up doing Zero-related stuff at Comfort.com. By accident. <laughs> That's always good. <laughs> That's the short answer. Uh, so it's no surprise, and I, I, I don't uh, hide it on my LinkedIn profile. I used to be a tier architect and uh, pro- a renovation project manager yeah. for high-value uh, renovations. And I came to convert originally five hours a week to do holacracy implementation yeah. as a contractor, uh, something I also had no experience in. Uh but we'll we'll dig into that. I'm sure you'll you'll <laughs> yeah. dig that out of me. Uh, so I came into this world of which I knew I knew you know I had ideas and I understood a little bit about digital marketing because I had uh, worked in a very kind of archaic and slow moving industry, but you know understood what uh, marketing and digital marketing did for our business. But I you know didn't have a really in-depth knowledge of what that was or what it could do. And as I got further involved in Convert, uh, because of our structure, I have taken on many, many roles and learned lots of new and exciting things and dived in a little bit to this world. Yeah. So so what did you? What are you currently using that you used before in interior design? What, what are you taking with to Convert? Well, I think a, a lot of uh, problem solving you know, I think it's when you're working in a in a in a SaaS company, and when you're working in a in a company that has a lot of uh, entre- well, our structure is basically uh, to succeed. You have to have an entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah. Uh, that's a a base qualification, and I have an ability to see the big picture and see the details. So for me, I can easily go in and out between the two. So I can see operationally how uh, decisions can impact, you know, whether it's people, whether it's product, whether it's uh, cost- our customers, so agencies, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, that background of being able to please and be honest and cater to while moving projects forward successfully uh, to different uh, stakeholders and teams is a really good skill set to have. <laughs> and apparently it translates really well. Yeah, that does sound like a good skill set to have indeed. So uh, for those of you, um, for the listeners that don't know, um, uh, Convert has been a, a sponsor of the podcast for a long time now, but can you tell us a bit about what Convert does? Sure. We're an A-B testing and personalization tool for agencies and enterprises. Okay, yeah. That's the short answer. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. and the long answer? (laughs) The long answer is that we have a tool that developers love, uh, very uh, easy to use and customizable uh, for, you know, if you're inserting code. Um, It is powerful and good value. So, you know, that checks a lot of boxes for people who are really looking at the bottom line. Yeah. And, you know, we, I think we, com- we stuck up and complete, compete really nicely 
uh, with the other others that I will not name. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all those that are probably familiar to a lot of uh, our listeners. <laughs> yes. Um, so you already mentioned um, uh, you, you don't really have a title at Convert, uh, as as no one does, uh, but you have roles. And we'll get into why that is later on. Um, um, but what are your roles? To give an idea, what are your roles at Convert? I have, so it's interesting. Uh, we're allowed to pick whatever uh, role we want, every, whatever title we want to have to the outside world. Yeah. Okay, So the title I have to the outside world is Director of Operations. I think that it speaks uh, very nicely to how I have helped to grow Convert from five people to now 40. We just hired uh, four people in the last three weeks. Um, and... My roles have changed as the implementation of Holacracy has changed through the organization. So I think that the the title that I give myself to the outside world is very um, fair and uh, demonstrative of what the value I have. In terms of the roles that I energize now, uh, I think I gave you the list before. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> it's like nine it's quite the list. <laughs> It is the list. Uh, it is quite a list. So I can say that uh, I, I hold roles in operations, in sales and success, and in marketing. And I am the representative. It's a little bit funny. I'm actually uh, newly assigned to be the lead link or the leader for the sales and success team. But I represent the members of the operations team in our super circle meetings. Yeah. So it's, you have to, and you're working in an organization like this, you really need to be able to compartmentalize and wear different hats pretty quickly. Uh, it's certainly not for everyone, but it's, uh, it, it allows me to keep my fingers in a lot of different pies uh, and really understand what the, the pulse of the organization is and how to grow the business. And um, you don't necessarily do A-B testing or experimentation uh, yourself, uh, nor is that your background. Uh, but but can you tell a bit about uh, what, what optimization or maybe the experimentation mindset, how does it look like at Convert itself? Well, I think that, so one of the core tenets of our DNA is progress, not perfection. I actually have it uh, embossed on one of my bags. <laughs> uh, and this is uh, really a driver for everything that we do internally. So I think it's important to note that, you know, Holacracy as a system is self-steering uh, and self-organizing. So when we talk about optimization internally, uh, we're really looking at uh, the processes and the process improvements that we can leverage to make the work flow and to make the work better, to make the organization better. But at the core of all of that, because we're a remote team, I really think that empathy is the core of optimization. When you... It means nothing to understand what your priorities are in a day or what project management tool you're using or anything like that if you can't come into your day and understand the context of what you're walking into. So this for us is really, really important. Uh, you know, we're 100% remote team. We're 10 time zones. We would do a lot of our work asynchronously. And I think that this is becoming um, more kind of understandable to people in these crazy times that we're living in. They've kind of been thrust into this, so they maybe understand a little bit of what I'm talking about. We've always been a remote team. So in order for us to optimize ourselves as professionals and as role holders, we have to first practice empathy when we show up to work. I think that's uh, put beautifully. I mean, that's, that's what optimizing is about, right? The empathy for the end user, uh, how are they actually using <laughs> your stuff? Mm -hmm. And uh, empathy is, uh, is really important uh, for that one. Mm -hmm. um, so we're here today to talk about uh, Holacracy and, and how that's uh, implemented at Convert. Uh, so first off, for those who don't know the term, what is Holacracy? I would say in simple terms, it's an operating system uh, 
for your organization. So, you know, we think of traditional hierarchies as pyramids. Um, it really is a way to structure the work. It's um, has, yeah, it's an operating system. It's how it's built into how we run convert. Yeah, for me, when I always um, uh, try to describe it to people, it's 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 a weird combination between being very strict on certain things, but complete freedom on other things. Correct. Does that make sense to you? Or? Yes, and I'm glad that you 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 understand that differentiation because I talk to a lot of people in this type of format, and they're like. Oh, it's flat. You have no managers. You know, they think this is kind of like we're hippies from the 70s or something. And, you know, we, <laughs> you know, just kind of stuff happens. And the reality is, is that it's uh, very clear and very formalized and very structured, you know, but within your boundary of yeah. your role, you could do whatever you want to move the company forward. And that's very liberating. So what are those structures that you, that you have in place? So, for example, um, I used to hold the role of HR champion, which is a role that uh, I gave back and now kind of morphed into something else and someone else energizes it. At that time, I came up with all the hiring processes, all the ways in which like all the details for how we were going to find and recruit people into this new system that we were using to run Convert. And I didn't have to ask for permission for that, right? So I think that if we think about it in terms of giving people freedom to do what they know is the right thing to do, um, I came on board initially for this whole kind of holacracy experiment, uh, Dennis, had, uh, Dennis had, had seen a TED talk or something like that, you know, uh, one of these like super inspirational things, you know, it's like, oh my God, I need to do that. And he was uh, at a kind of a crossroads. He'd realized that he had become uh, his, the boss that he never wanted to have. You know, he was hoarding information. He was a micromanager. Uh, he was always the bottleneck for decisions. And he realized that he didn't even want to work at the company that he had created. And there was this shift about, you know, you need to be able to give control and decision-making to people and just trust that they're going to do the right thing. Uh, and that's, you know, it's been certainly a process uh, to where we are now, but that was kind of, that was a start for it, right? So I think that when you give someone their, their parameters of where they have their power and control and just say, hey, you know, these are our OKRs. This is where we are. This, uh, you know, our company information is very public internally. It's very transparent. This is where we want to be. Take us there. Sidespect biedt wereldwijd een unieke AB-testing personalisatie en product recommendation oplossing. Sidespect werkt server-side, dus zonder tags of scripts, waardoor een optimale performance gegarandeerd is. De Sidespect-oplossing elimineert vertragingen en kans op flikkereffecten. Tevens zorgt deze aanpak ervoor dat de huidige en toekomstige browser security regels, zoals ITP en ETP, geen impact hebben op het AB-testen en personaliseren met Sidespect. Voor meer informatie hierover ga je naar sidespect.com. Ja, en ik kan imagine dat voor someone like Dennis, who's the, who's the founder, uh, co-founder of, uh, of Convert, um, it's also, um, it can be liberating to, <laughs> to not have all this, uh, this uh, responsibility, but it's also very scary, of course, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, so how, how, how does that go? Maybe you have more experience outside of Convert also, but how does it usually um, uh, go? How, how do founders handle this? <laughs> I, can, I can imagine that are, yeah, it can be very tricky. Certainly tricky. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say anything that I hear that I haven't already said to Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I think when, you know, when I started, you know, 
we had already had the conversation to see if we could give it a go, give it a try. I uh, did an audit to see, you know, what was going on, what roles we had, and learning the constitution of holacracy, which is really kind of a, it's the structure of how, you know, we operate, whether it's in tactical or governance meetings, so day-to-day -day or, and, you know, there were more than a handful of times you'd be like, oh, but I want to do this and I don't agree with that. And it's like, okay, but you don't own that role, right? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I understand that you have opinions about it, but you need to trust that you have someone who's going to make the decision that's good for the company, even if it, maybe it's not the decision you would have made. And it's it certainly takes time. It takes, uh, I think, it ha obviously, you have to have a willingness there, right? I don't think it's anything that can be thrust on someone. But I do think that the it's very, it's been very liberating for both him and his co-founder because it allows them to spend time with their families. It allows them to spend time on projects and roles that are really important to them. Uh, and I mean, why would you start a business and want to work on a business when you have to do the stuff that you don't actually like doing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is, is there is there as as a as a founder or people listening to this podcast uh, and and that have uh, uh, people uh, working for them, um, like is there an electricity? Is there like no way as a founder to be able to influence anything in your company anymore uh, besides your own roles or how how does that work? I th so I think I can I can collectively hear them like either rolling their eyes or shaking, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think for founders, I think I want to be really clear. Like, you need to nail your hiring, right? Uh, this is super, super important. Like, you have to hire for the right qualities of people who can push back, who can lead, who can set boundaries and expectations, who can take responsibility when things go sideways, right? Uh, and who are... Uh, natural learners. And then you also have to be able to give some budget, a little bit of budget to roles for them to make decisions that need to be made. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, I see, can they influence? I mean, you know, one of the roles that Dennis holds in our super circle is goal gladiator. So he sets the OKRs for each quarter. And the overarching strategy for convert, yeah. it's the lead links for each circle. So we have product and development, smooth ops, uh, marketing, and sales and success that then take that OKR or OKRs, depending on where we are, mm -hmm. and it's up to them to interpret those and set metrics for them. Uh, and those leaders are the ones that uh, set the prioritization. Um, you know, the defining defining uh, relative priorities and uh, maybe some multiple strategies at the circle level. So, yes, as a founder, I mean, he does have. Yeah. But he doesn't have the he doesn't have the 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 power to tell me, hey, Morgan, you know. You're energizing the role of lead link for sales and success. I want you to achieve this OKR by doing X, Y, and Z. And you know, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, he can, he can, he can, he can influence your goals, but he cannot influence the way you uh, try to reach them. Exactly. And uh, for, for those that have no idea what we're talking about, uh, OKRs uh, stand for objectives and uh, key results, and we'll definitely link to some more explanation <laughs> to that in in the show notes. We won't go into that uh, right now. So you already, you, you mentioned uh, something about uh, hiring. I want to get back to you uh, on that um, in a couple of minutes. Um, but uh, first, as far as, so you already said you came on board with Convert um, uh, and, and Dennis wasn't happy necessarily with the situation they were at at the moment. Uh, so there was a transition from non-holacracy to holacracy. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I can imagine that that's also challenging if you don't start out uh, that way. So mm -hmm. what were the biggest challenges in, in changing to this new way of working? Like, uh, I can imagine, did people leave or? Yes, absolutely. People left. Uh, 
certainly, uh, you know, as I was defining the hiring process, there were definitely false starts in, you know, how to hire, what to hire for, uh, lapses on like how to fire people. Um, and I think difficult to, to, you know, there's a lot of coaching, right. One-on-one, -on -one, like for me with Dennis, as well as with me, with his co-founder, Claudio, with me, with actual individual role holders to say, no, actually you can make this decision. We don't operate on consensus anymore. Right. <laughs> like this is kind of, if you have your own kind of autocracy here, you could do what you want. And it's, um, it's scary, certainly scary, especially when you've been used to one type of management and organization. And it's also too, I think it's, it's scary for, for people because they, we all get educated and kind of inculcated in the certain way of working and living right in, like expectations and culture and hierarchy. And then to tell someone, you know, hey, just throw that out the window and this is your domain. You can do what you want here can be really scary and also very liberating, right? But it's it's not like yeah. we grow up in that environment, no matter where you're from, right? Some people yeah. may be more comfortable with that than others, but it's not innate yeah, like, like, like i just mentioned it, it, it's both uh, uh being very strict on some things and being very liberal on other things mm -hmm. so i can imagine that for uh people are having issues with both ways like it's it's too strict right now or it's so liberating uh that i actually don't know what to do anymore <laughs> like <laughs> you, you, right. you fall back into being really passive and uh you're being used to uh, being told what to do and that's not happening anymore. Yeah. And there's also, I think, this kind of uh, paralysis of choice, right? You know, I can have so many of these options, like which one do I choose? And it's like, okay, A, B, and C are all right answers. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to make a decision. Yeah. And then you just, on the, and the flip side is that, of that is that you need to take responsibility, right? So if you end up making a mistake, like we have a channel for that, uh, it's called fail forward. You take a decision and it ends up like not being what you expected. Then in our DNA of transparency, we expect you to own up yeah. to that and not going to get fired for that. It's not a reason for someone to get fired. It's, it's a learning experience. It's like that whole progress, not perfection thing that I was talking about earlier. I assume it's not uh, like that there's no discussion anymore in the company, right? <laughs> I mean, there does need to be consensus on, on something that you do, but it doesn't mean there's no discussion. You're not looking for consensus. Uh, you're, you have consent. So you're governed by consent. Uh, so I think the difference is that, you know, in my roles, I'm pull in people with more experience than I do, uh, you know, more technical expertise, certainly. I never would pretend to be an expert in, you know, our product, for example. I'm, I'm, I'm not an optimizer, uh, but I do, I could take in the, the input of what professionals have an uh, experience in and then apply that information to make decisions, right? Uh, I think you get into a dangerous place when you don't ask for it, uh, when they kind of have this ego of, I know better, uh, which could be a little bit dangerous, but it doesn't doesn't happen very often. Yesterday's brainstorm was so good. I really liked Steph's idea of running that test on the call to action buttons. Making them orange will really make them stand out, don't you think? Yeah, right. Do you want to design real A-B test winners and achieve enormous conversion uplift? Then stop brainstorming and take a scientific approach. If you can read Dutch, follow the steps in Online Influt, the bestseller on managementbook.nl or enroll in the author's course and become an expert in applying proven behavioral science yourself. Go to onlineinfluence.com for more information and free downloads. And uh, you also mentioned that uh, Convert is uh, completely remote. Uh, there, there's no office. Uh, would you say uh, that Holacracy and, and, and 
having a completely remote workforce, is that a match made in heaven or not necessarily? I think so. It's funny. I, I run a monthly group uh, that is specifically for uh, holacracy practitioners that are remote and been running the group for, I guess, three years now. It's, and I've always said that it's like such a great match, you know, and I don't understand why more remote companies don't sign up for this. Yeah. Uh, I think that having this, this self-steering and the distributed authority model works really well, especially if you're asynchronous, right? Uh, I, I mentioned earlier, we're like 10 time zones, nine, 10 time zones. Uh, yeah. I don't even bother to keep up anymore, to be honest. It's, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not an issue for you. No, I mean, it can be a pain to try, don't get me wrong, to try and, um, you know, if we have to have a synchronous meeting, it's, you know, I am, I am now actually starting my days at 7 a.m. in my time zone uh, because I want to have more overlap with Europe. But that's a choice that I made for myself, right? Um, it's, but yeah, it, it just, it makes so much, because then you're not waiting, you know, six, 10, 12 hours for someone to come back online, to make a decision, to talk about it, to, you know, things can move quickly. I always like to, um, and that's, you know, when I touched on the beginning is understanding the empathy and understanding what you're walking into. When I open my Slack in the morning at quarter to seven, I can see everything, like almost every channel is illuminated. I could see so much stuff happened between when I got offline and when I got back on. Yeah. And I didn't have to be involved in any of that. It's like magic, you know, <laughs> things happen and move forward when you're, when you're sleeping. Yeah. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you want that? I don't know. <laughs> I, I can also imagine that for, for the people that have been working in, uh, in, a, in an organization that does holacracy for a couple of years, if you're used to that, you're ruined for your life. <laughs> I realized that actually a couple of years ago. I, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I said to my girlfriend, I was like, oh, you know, like I'm really, really screwed. <laughs> like if I, if I ever leave, I either need to start my own business or I need to, I, I can't, and it can't just be like, go to a place that is organized on It has to be remote as well. Like, no way I'm going and doing a commute anymore, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't think that's uh, that's uh, that's a filter on the, the job boards uh, currently. It's not. <laughs> and LinkedIn only recently started doing remote, uh, you know, before this whole COVID thing. So hopefully, uh, I, I hope that through all of this, um, we get through we get through the tough stuff of COVID nineteen. Of we're able to have real conversations about what remote work is and what it isn't and about what different structures of work exist rather than being uh, in a big rush to go back to the status quo. Like maybe yeah. we can use some of these learnings about what we liked and what we didn't like about being in lockdown or working remotely or whatever it is to make things better. That would be great, right? It's, uh, it's, it sounds like a great opportunity we have right now to do. I think so. I think that, uh, you know, it's certainly, it's, uh, it's, it's not for everyone, but I do think that uh, we do have an opportunity to have a wider discussion about what work looks like. Yeah, definitely. Shifting topics a bit. Um, so, uh, at Convert, you also uh, uh, preach <laughs> conscious business. Yes. Um, uh, conscious business is one of your uh, roles at, Con at Convert. Mm -hmm. um, so what does that entail? It entails uh, being the change that we want to see, uh, very simply. Uh, there's So we have a three-pronged mission for Convert for Conscious Business. Uh, one of them is for our customers. So we have um, always grandfather pricing. So we will never fire a customer, for example. 
I was looking, I was actually the other day, I was looking at that revenue channel and I, I saw these code names and I didn't know what they were. And someone told me, oh yeah, this is the plan where people are paying like $59 a month or something. It's like from whatever. <laughs> I, I actually saw, uh, I think it was a LinkedIn or a tweet from uh, Dennis this week. He said there were actually uh, uh, two customers still around uh, that were on the $9 plan. Yes. Uh, the, the initial plan <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> from when Convert started. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and that that's like, that's... And they never, so the grandfather idea is that they never get a, a raise in, uh, no, in never. subscription, right? Yeah. I mean, if you quit, you leave us, you break up with us, it's something else. But no, as long yeah. as you're like active and no. Uh, so... And I love that, right? So conscious business is a couple of things. So for the customer, it's that grandfather pricing and, you know, for, for whether you're a single proprietor, you're an agency that you know that we always have your back, we're never going to, uh, we're very privacy focused, which I'm sure you know, and probably some of the European listeners know, uh, we really take uh, GDPR and privacy and security compliance to heart. And we actually, it's a default in our tool too, right? So yeah. if you're an American user, you actually have to turn those off rather than um, having to go into some, you know, nebulous submenu somewhere to try and find the right thing. Uh, yeah. And then the other thing, the other two components of our conscious business is that uh, environmental. So we're... Uh, 15x carbon positive, which means that we offset 15 times the carbon that we produce as a company. Oh, is, is that the goal of like 15 times? Where where did the 15 come from? Uh, initially, it was one. And then we were like, you know, we could do more than that. Uh, you know, our servers uh, have been, uh, since before I joined Convert, our servers have always been carbon neutral. We then now also offset all the energy that we use for our applications, convert-wide. We have started to, actually this quarter, we've started to implement um, kind of a bonus where after your 100th sign-in, we plant 50 trees. Um, so I really love that one. Uh, and then, so we did an audit with South Pole, uh, last year, and then we offset that uh, amount that we produced. Um, and, you know, as a remote company, it's certainly, um, you know, as a SaaS business, it's certainly a lot less uh, of a footprint than you would have for, you know, a product-based business. Yeah. Uh, you already have no, no offers, no commutes. No offers, no commute. But, you know, interestingly, our audit does uh, encompass, uh, you know, the energy, the heating. Uh, they got really, really detailed. Like, I had to make a whole inventory of all the equipment that I bought for work, uh, which in the year that that yeah. year was actually quite a bit. Um, and, you know, that all was accounted for an offset, right? So, very, I was surprised actually at how detailed it was. And then also, I mean, the other thing we do is, so we have to, uh, we, every uh, core member of Convert has a, a company card for their budget, for their role, and for their productivity perk. And we have to send those physical cards all over the world. So we've offset that as well, right? Um that as conscious business, one of the policies that I put in place uh, for this year is that we no longer send swag to collaborators. So if you remember, um, I think it was what last year, the year before something, photo shoot, something like that. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that was me saying, I'm not buying stuff. <laughs> uh we have, uh, like, for one of our collaborators who, one of our agencies who lives in actually Spain, I did the work and I found, I, got, I asked, I had a little questionnaire for him and found out a couple of key, key things about him. And then I found a local experience for him. So it was actually a biking tour to a horchata factory 
uh, in Spain. I forget where, but, you know, finding these kinds of like details, it like speaks to uh, leaving a better experience for the people that you're collaborating with. Right. And you're also doing a better thing for the planet as well. And that's really important. Um, The third thing that we do that I'm very, very proud of is that we actually will turn down businesses that don't align with our values as a company. So it's not something I think that a lot of companies talk about. I think it's some of them do, but I think also, you know, uh, it's kind of this like, A couple of the agencies that I've talked to that we work with say, oh, you know, we kind of do that, but we don't talk about it, right? And they like the fact that we do it so that then they can say, oh, well, I can't, you know, actually test your site there on convert because we won't accept it, right? So gun manufacturers, for example, uh, any site that incites hate uh, or... um, what's the word, uh, family values, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that this is often double speak in the U S for, you know, sending women back to the fifties and okay, yeah. not giving people equal rights, yeah. you know, it's like, let's go, let's go back there when everything, when America was great, you know, these kinds yeah. of things. Um, zoos, for example, is another one that we don't, uh, align with and, this is now built into our uh, free trial sign-up page. Yeah. It's actually a lot more explicit than it used to be um, because we don't want our awesome tool to be used for making those organizations better optimized. We don't only, um, you don't fire customers by raising prices, but you also don't hire all customers. Right. <laughs> You know, and we have had to have very that, selective, yeah, very selective, right? And we all, I mean, the thing is, you know, before uh, I would say that our processes are a lot better optimized internally so that we catch these. Uh, there have been times when we've had to have difficult conversations and say, oh, yeah, you've been testing for three months on our platform, and we only recently figured out that what you do. <laughs> We don't actually want you, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is kind of an awkward conversation to have, to put it mildly. But um, I think that, you know, we we all have this choice in terms of how to make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're not a nonprofit. We, we never uh, suggest that uh, even to our own employees that people uh, work for free or anything like that. Um, and I think that it, it falls to the conscious business mentality of really doing better and being better. And, you know, maybe there's some people who don't really care, don't really understand what optimization is or A-B testing is, and that's fine. But in this place where those organizations are also powerful, have deep pockets, are really trying to target, micro-target the audience that's going to bankroll their agendas. I think that we have a unique place to do something about that if it's not something that aligns with us. And those are tough choices. Online Dialogue is al tien jaar een toonaangevend CRO-bureau waar mensen, kwaliteit en kennisoverdracht centraal staan. Ze zijn een specialist omdat ze zich alleen richten op optimalisatie en klantgedrag. Het team zorgt voor online groei en waardevolle inzichten in je bezoekers en optimaliseren samen met jou de verschillende onderdelen van je CRO-programma, zoals websites, salesfunnels en customer journeys. Voor meer info ga je naar onlinedialog.nl. En uh, speaking of being selective, uh, that also applies to uh, the hiring that you that you do. You already said uh, that is also for Holacracy um, um, hiring process really important. So I'm I'm curious. I've I've read a bit about uh, about this uh, on the on the convert blog. How do you approach this? How do you um, uh, stay away from having this bias uh, in in the hiring process? It's. Do you want to do a whole episode on this? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, I'll give you. So I think that, that. So for anyone who's listening, who is moving to a remote centered team or moving a hundred to a hundred percent remote team. I think the same holds true for them. 
and that is think about what's what your values are and what's important to you and make your applicants self-select out if they are not the right fit. It's not about getting a thousand applicants for a job. It's about getting 10 good ones. So yeah. hiring takes a lot of time and onboarding takes even more. It's really expensive and in a lot of cases, very mind numbing process. Um, to be honest, it's uh, so one of the things that we do because we have this this blend of remote and holacracy that's super important is we have this uh, three we we require audio video and written uh, answers to questions in the first round. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're a developer. It doesn't matter, um, you know, which role you're applying for. If you cannot show um, self-actualization, um, one of the questions is, so uh, tell me about a time that uh, you messed up and what you learned from it or something. It's a real soft pitch of a question, right? You'd be amazed how many people either won't or can't answer this in a way that you'd think would show that they have like read the job description or read about convert or something like that. You know, the other video question that we ask that I think is really great for us because we are a default video on in terms of communication. Um, yeah. Two minutes to record a video of original content only and teach us something we probably don't know. So I don't care what it is, it could be anything could be related yeah. to your role. It could not be. And you get some really interesting content. You know, someone wrote us a song <laughs> once. Uh, someone showed us how to brew the perfect cup of coffee. Uh, someone went on a, uh, did a tutorial on um, their secret passion was continuity in movies. <laughs> and, you know, yes. But, you know, you have this kind of question. It's like you get a real sense for how people engage in a yeah. remote environment um, yeah. on things they're passionate about and how they are articulate, right? How or how they articulate themselves, right? We don't care about the accents, uh, or if you have like super command of English. That's actually not really important. That's what I also found interesting to read because you, you're. You require this uh, the the video and the audio, mm -hmm. but you're also trying to eliminate bias from the process. So how on earth, if you, I mean, uh, you you can imagine uh, you have a bias against someone from a certain part of the world or against a certain bias or uh, sorry, a certain um, uh, um, uh, language maybe or accent that someone has. Uh, you already assume things when you when you hear a certain uh, certain accent, maybe, or the way how someone looks on video, mm -hmm. um, and you want to prevent that in your hire. You guys try to do that, mm -hmm. but how how do you do that with video and audio? So the first thing that happened, that first round, the only person who sees those three items are is the uh, like for me, for example, when I was HR chat, would have been me. The, per, the the actual role that's being filled yeah. in the circle of marketing, the marketing hiring person would never see that information. As soon as these people check all the boxes for round one yeah. of the application process, they get anonymized. So, uh, for example... So round one would be more a general fit with the company that someone yeah. uh, in HR could uh, assess? And then you move mm -hmm. on to the actually job-specific uh, part that is uh, anonymized. Exactly. So everyone gets a code name. You know, sometimes it's spices. I used to use trees. Uh, we've <laughs> yeah. used dog breeds, but we discovered that that <laughs> actually introduced bias because people would look up what the dog breed, if it was cute or not. You know, it was like, I really like, you know, yeah. the German Shepherd, but... It's not as cute as the dachshund, you know. Yeah. So uh, it's the Belgian but, shepherds, damn it! Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, right? Uh, so it's you know. So we go through those get anonymized. We have a virtual assistant, and their job is to go through and uh, 
black out anything, any preposition, okay, any uh, reference to a company name, any location, citizenship, I mean, in every piece of collateral that they give us. It's very time-consuming. Yeah. And they do an excellent job of that. Then what happens is the video and the audio recordings go through AI and they get transcribed and everything gets removed from there. So then they get passed on to the circle that's doing the hiring and they can look at the the other information. So those three questions that I talked about are just part of a series of other questions that they'd be asked. Yeah. And they can then say, oh, yes, I like the, I like these answers to these technical questions or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. But they actually don't know the gender, citizenship, mm -hmm. anything for the candidate. So, yeah, it's uh, – but it gets us a diverse team. And I think that, you know, that's why we ended up with – 10 time zones it's uh yeah. <laughs> you know it's it's also too like i don't make the so it kind of drives me bananas when i see these job postings that say you must be located in central european time why if i'm willing to work that time zone does it matter that i'm located there even if it's in my nights maybe i'm a night owl yeah Maybe I maybe I take care of my parent, my aging parents, and actually the shift that I would love to work is, you know, so I don't assume to make decisions for people about what is right. You know, if I have a time zone requirement, then certainly I put that in there. But I don't care where the person lives. Does it does it always work? Does it, or have you had the uh, the situation where you said, okay, in hindsight. We could have known this if we hadn't blacked out all this inf information. Um, I'm trying to think. It's. Um, I mean, you, you, obviously, you don't. You don't. Uh, convert this isn't one hundreds and hundreds of people, so you don't have a, a huge pool, uh, huge sample size. But no, I think um, I think that uh, definitely some of the the mistakes that I encountered at the beginning is that I didn't put uh, values testing early enough. Mm -hmm. So it was much more focused on skills. And then we'd realize that someone made it to round three and they actually weren't aligned with us in terms of values and vision for the company. Yeah. And then it was like I had just wasted four weeks of my time trying to get someone through a pipeline. So I realized that actually I'd rather take someone who's aligned, whose maybe skills are a little less yeah. because we know that it's harder to change the alignment than to upgrade the skills. Well, that's it. And one of the things that we're constantly looking for is someone who has this uh, learning mindset. Through the process, we're always uh, looking to see, you know, are they self-starters? Are they creative problem solvers? Are they goal-oriented? What are their people skills like? Do they have empathy? These kinds of things, which we know makes good holacracy practitioners and great remote workers. So if you get to the end and you are missing a year of experience for something or you know you're you'll have a deficit somewhere, yeah. you have all the you check all those other boxes, which makes it really, really easy for you to be a great contributor rather than someone who is an information silo who doesn't play nice with other people who has no kind of collaboration or empathy skills like that stuff in any environment whether it's remote or not is super toxic and difficult to work with yeah. who wants that right werk je aan een front-end ab test en heb je ook last van de bekende flikkeringen in je variaties dit kan natuurlijk je testresultaten beïnvloeden en een positief testresultaat neutraliseren Probeer Convert.com's AB-testing software die Smart Insert technologie gebruikt en die flikkeringen voorkomt. Vijf keer snellere support via 24-7 chat, de helft goedkoper en het bedrijf is daarnaast maar liefst 15 keer carbon positive. Je doet dus jezelf, je bedrijf en de volgende generatie een plezier door hun website Convert.com slash sneller eens te bezoeken. What are the... the... Uh, the checkboxes uh, you need for people uh, to, to, to match them with holacracy in general. 
what are good um, um, character traits for them? I think that high um, EQ is really helpful. Um, certainly, the the orientation, the goal orientation, the ability to uh, to see details, understand concepts as well. How long does it take on average people that are not used to holacracy? How long does it uh, take them to to adjust, or how long does it take you to get them to adjust? It's not black and white. There's, no, I think, there's there's no real answer. I mean, it's holacracy is an evolution. It's like a belief that uh, the organization of holacracy one that runs the uh, the teaching and the the resource center for holacracy implementation. They have um, an evolution of holacracy, and it's like this huge. Um, it's a very pretty graph, <laughs> which I can send you, and it has these different <laughs> stages. And it's like what you see is a cross convert. It's like the further we get into this adoption, I see that where I thought we were in terms of, you know, people or hiring or um, process improvement, you know, maybe I thought we were further ahead. We're actually further back. Um, I think that it. It changes. It, it's it's a different answer depending on uh, cultural background uh, plays yeah. a role for sure. Um, even though we're hiring for specific traits, then it's also we have people who what I call our legacy members of the team who've been with the team for since the beginning and are still adapting to this new way of working. And yeah. certainly do an excellent job. You know, yeah. there's still deficits there, right? Does does everyone start with a holacracy course? Is that is that part of the onboarding? Or yeah, actually, we do. We start with um, a couple of. So the other thing that we do that I think is uh, not just good for holacracy and remote work, but I think is really good for any type of uh, company, is that we do 90 days in the beginning. And it's very, very clear. Like it's a 90-day contract, and it's an opportunity for us to try it out. And both of us, it's like you can kind of think that you can suck it up for 90 days, no matter what it is. If you know there's an <laughs> end in sight, you know it's like yeah. <laughs> well, three months. That's a long. That's a long time. It's a yeah. long time, but you know there's an exit, right? And you yeah. know that it's going to be done on this date. So if you really hate convert and you don't like us, it's like you could say thanks, but no thanks. And yeah. we've had people do it. Uh, and that's okay. Can, can you say the percentage of people that go beyond the 90 days, uh, either from their side or, or from your side? But what's, what's the percentage that goes? Uh, I think it's about, uh, I think it's about nine. It's over 90. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, yeah. It's over 90. We actually had really hot really high churn for people who in the beginning for um, hires um, and it was pretty bad um, for retention and implementing all these things that I just talked to you about. We've gone from that to over 90%. So even though this hiring process, uh, some listeners may say, my God, that's a lot of time and investment and everything. It's like... It, it pays off <laughs> after 90 days, yeah. Yeah, it does. It, it pays off. And it's like, you think about all that time that you spend and it's like, yeah, 90 days is a long time. But especially if you have, um, you know, a lot of this is new, right, yeah. for a lot of people. And we don't dive super deep into holacracy in the beginning. We kind of give them like a taste of what it is and what that looks like. Um, people get a lot of um, transparency. Um, and you have to make sure it's good for both parties, right? I think it's, it's, it's arrogant to think that as an employer that we're great for everyone. Yeah. It's not the case. So, uh, and um, um, for, for both uh, the conscious business part and, and all accuracy, what are your what are the things you're trying to uh, change or improve in the coming 12 months? So in the next three to 12 months, we're focused on a couple of different areas. For people, uh, feedback internally, and having a stronger, more dynamic culture of feedback. 
And that goes to how you ask questions, whether it's uh, in a meeting or one-on-one -on -one to, like you talked about in the very beginning, maybe asking for input or, con you know, consensus, <laughs> uh, you know, what that looks like. Um, and in a multicultural team, that can be difficult. So that's one of the things that we're working on. As a sales and success team, we have uh, shifted to a strategy of teams over tools. So in this COVID environment, we've actually seen um, a real uptick in uh uh, enterprises coming to look at Convert to Explore Us as an option because we have a really robust tool. And this is, Holacracy is actually giving us the, the, the leverage to be able to be agile in this, right? So we can change some of our processes internally on how we are flexible in taking over customers, how we can you know, offer migrations and things like that. And then also what that process and that feedback looks like from the customer or from a developer that's using the tool so that we can be better placed strategically, right? So I think that uh, communication and feedback is really the, the, the key component for uh, getting prepared now, but for Q3, uh, Q4 and then in 2021. Yeah, hopefully um, it's all going up uh, from here. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I think you know. I think uh, as you as an optimizer, you've probably seen some some changes in the market too, right? It's uh, uh, a lot of them. Yeah. What's your What's your most amazing one that you've seen that were a surprising one? That uh, bread baking machines are now in the top five. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see that coming. I maybe should have, but I didn't see it coming. <laughs> I agree. And that kombucha as well. Like, <laughs> I guess uh, everyone wants to be more self-sufficient, but I guess that, that's, a, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> I think it is a good thing. Yeah, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to do more gardening, uh, but uh, my, my tomatoes already died today, so uh, I'm not, not off to a great start, but um, I'm trying. Oh, well, we there. did a good job of feeding our squirrel population over the winter with our bridge feeders, so I am sure that anything we try and grow this summer is going to get eaten very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but you can eat squirrels now. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> Maybe you can uh, try to find their uh, burrows and uh, eat, and then you can eat nuts. Right. Maybe you can find some nice, re nice recipes for that. Maybe I'll sell them online. <laughs> they can collect them. <laughs> We're definitely running out of time uh, right now. So uh, my final question for you would be, uh, are there any books you'd like to tip to our audience um, on these uh, topics? Yes, actually, there are a few that I would suggest. Mm -hmm. And I think one of my favorite books uh, that really changed the way that I think about uh, teams and feedback is there's there are two. Uh, so Radical Candor by Kim Scott, a really excellent book. It really challenges you to think about how you give and take feedback as yeah. a leader. The other one is... Uh, reboot by Jerry Colonna, um, really looking uh, and and challenging leaders to work on themselves first rather than their organizations, and how uh, how your your relationship with power, money, authority, all these things uh, need to be uh, dealt with in a way, and it will really help you be a better leader. Um, so I think there's a very interesting setup for his book. He gives some checklists and things like this. And I would also recommend uh, for any uh, teams that are listening or, uh, you know, in agencies that maybe you're working online now, but you're actually, you know, part co-located and part remote. Um, there's a really good book by Lizette Sutherland, who's actually based, I think, in Amsterdam. Okay. Uh, it's called Work Together Anywhere. And she talks a lot about, uh, she does workshops and everything like that, but she wrote a really great book on how to do great work in remote teams. Out, so this is like fully outside of Holacracy, but really how to... Um, and as a manager, how to make that 
work productively. Uh, so those are the three, my three top reads. Okay, definitely add those uh, to the to the show notes. Thank you so much, uh, Morgan, for uh, telling us more about uh, the way holacracy and uh, remote um, uh, working can work uh, in these times and can be very beneficial for the company and the employees um, and have a nice uh, working environment. Um, and uh, to hear that um, even, or not even, but uh, in, in times like this, I think it's uh, it's great to hear success stories for companies that have been doing remote for a long time. <laughs> uh, and, and spread the word. This is this is this can be normal. <laughs> this can, yes. this can, can work very well. Yes. Uh, so I think that's great to hear. It can, and I would just encourage your listeners to, uh, you know, think differently about the way that they work and how they can work. You know, when we get yeah. out of crisis mentality, the kids are not going to be home. You know, you're not going to have two people yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it, it's not crisis mentality. It's real remote work. This isn't real remote work. And I think that yeah. thinking about that and, and really, you know, scaling your organization or your business to leverage yeah. what remote work has to offer is really beneficial. I'm really happy that you gave me the opportunity to speak to your community. No, that's that's very true. What you said, this is not remote work. I've been uh, remote working for uh, over one and a half years now, and this doesn't feel like normal. <laughs> to me. It's not, <laughs> With, especially well, especially because of the the the, the kid from uh, one of one and a half years old that is now continuously at home. That, that makes it very <laughs> difficult. It's not normal. No. So yeah, Morgan, th thank you so much. I think this is uh, great content uh, for everyone interested in this uh, this topic, and uh, I think a lot of uh, freelancers and uh, I think a lot of uh, uh, zero agencies already trying. Uh, of course, now they're forced, forced remote, but we're already into uh, uh, hiring at least a couple uh, people in the workforce remotely. Mm -hmm. So I think this is uh, going to be uh, very interesting. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And that brings us to our COVID-19 data trends and updates segments. Content Square analyzed some fresh data from their massive and diverse client base to share some industry insights with us. Here's Sahana Sekaran, Senior Marketing Manager from Content Square. Many consumers in the world are entering a second week of relaxed restrictions, with non-essential businesses tentatively opening their doors again to the public. Stores, restaurants, bars, hair salons and gyms are open for business in many US states and in Europe, albeit at reduced capacity, and consumers are starting to engage once again with physical shops and services. We've been analysing digital consumer behaviour for over 13 weeks now to get a sense of how the unfolding crisis is reshaping the way people browse and connect with businesses online. To really understand the impact of coronavirus on e-commerce, we've been comparing key metrics every week, such as traffic, transactions and engagement, with data from the period immediately preceding the introduction of quarantine measures in the West, which is essentially the first six weeks of the year, which we call the reference period. Here are some of the insights we surfaced this week. So firstly, are we starting to see what the new normal looks like for the digital space? Interestingly, traffic has been stable for two weeks now, which makes sense with businesses starting to reopen in some regions of the world. Transactions similarly were down slightly for the second week in a row, dropping by 2.6% uh, from the previous week. However, despite this recent slowdown, Digital traffic is still 30% higher than pre-quarantine levels and transactions across industries also increasing by 40% over the same period. When we look at customer engagement online, which is things like time spent, number of sessions, it's been dropping quite fast since last April and is now minus 6% below normal levels. But on a positive note, the conversion rate across industries is climbing steadily and is still 10% higher today than it was before stores closed their doors. Secondly, some positive news for the travel industry. This week's biggest growth was recorded by the travel industry, which saw a 21% increase in the volume of visits this past week. Transactions were also up a massive 40%, accelerating four weeks of improvement for the industry. Although the volume of transactions remains 75% below pre-quarantine level, there seems to be a clear trend towards recovery. Engagement has also been climbing steadily since the first week of April as restrictions ease and consumers' thoughts turn once again 
to their summer holiday plans. Our breakdown into sub-industries shows that camping vacations are doing particularly well, boasting the highest volume of traffic of all travel sectors, that's including air, train travel, hotels, package holidays. In fact, camping vacation sites are now seeing just over half the traffic that they enjoyed pre-quarantine. And today, these sites are seeing 57% of the number of transactions they were recording before the introduction of lockdown measures, a huge surge from the 17% they observed in the previous week. With a lot of remaining uncertainty over risks and restrictions, consumers appear to be much less willing to commit to air travel and are therefore favouring domestic destinations instead. With many hotels closed and social distancing still in place all over the world, camping stands out at the most convenient and as well safe solution, offering more possibilities for isolation than any other types of trips. Unsurprisingly, car rental and train travel sites are also doing much better than air travel um, in terms of actual sales, although the increase of traffic to air travel sites, which now stands at 50% of pre-quarantine level, suggests that consumers are starting to dream of their escape. Lastly, the grocery industry is down this week, but it's up again for sports retailers. Global traffic to grocery sites was down 18% from the previous week, although a closer look at the specific geos tells two different stories. In the UK and the US, visits were slightly up, while France saw a significant slump in traffic, going from 244% of regular traffic back down to 162%. The relaxing of lockdown measures over the past 10 days mean that French residents no longer need a special permit to leave the house and car journeys up to 60 miles an hour allowed, making a dent in consumers' reliance on digital services to get their grocery shopping done. This staggered return to activities outside the home perhaps explains the higher number of consumers browsing sports gear. Transactions on sporting goods sites didn't budge much from the previous week, although traffic was up 7% as warmer days and fewer rules on venturing out come into play. That's all from us this week. If you want to see KPIs for your industry, be sure to check out Content Square's COVID-19 e-commerce impact data hub. It's updated every Monday with the freshest behavioral data across all sectors. Thank you, Sahana. And if you're lazy like me, just check out the show notes for a direct link to the data hub. This was episode 22 from season 2 of Zero Cafe with Morgan Lag from Convert.com. In next week's episode, I'll be talking to authors Bas Wouters and Joris Groen from the Online Influence Institute and we'll be talking about their new book in Dutch. Talk to you next week and always be optimizing.